I'm Tom Saunders, getting through this in Los Angeles. And I'm Scott Blakeman in Manhattan. As our listeners know, Tommy and I are the unelected, self-appointed co-mayors of Irving Place. Yet since last March, neither of us has set foot on that storied avenue, or what we like to call, with apologies to Mr. Sinatra, the Street of Dreams. But on Saturday, at long last, this reporter and co-mayor returned to Irving Place and walk those five gracious and elegant blocks that extend from the Union Square to the exclusive Gramercy Park. And I went one step further. For the first time, I enjoyed one of the finest brunches I've ever had at the legendary Friend of a Farmer Eatery on Irving Place. My friend Rob and I were fortunate to snare a prime table just inside next to the open front door. Soon, the rustic restaurant was filled with happily animated diners who connected with friends as they dined on hearty portions of omelets, pancakes, and oh, so much more. The bustling scene could have been a television commercial that proclaims in the closing title card, New York is back. Scotty, as the only other self-appointed unelected co-mayor of Irving Place, I listen to your vignette and I say hurrah. Oh, some pseudo-sophisticates may wonder that a comedian and an instructor in the comic arts would eschew an easy laugh or two and be, instead begin a comedy-oriented podcast with only heartfelt and unembarrassed enthusiasm. But these are, but there are times in history, Scotty, when a brunch is more than a brunch. And when it's the first brunch after a pandemic, when you're at the friend of the farmer. That's the place for brunch on Irving Place. And when you're the unelected, self-appointed co-mayor of, of said street, well, if you weren't overwhelmed with emotion, it would be weird. I assume the paparazzi were crowding around, even though they're still supposed to keep physical distance. And I regret that I couldn't be there for the first brunch on Irving Place. I'm a little afraid there might be headlines in the tabloids asking, where was the other unelected self-appointed co-mayor of Irving Place? And who's this new guy? That would be another sign that New York is indeed back. Well, Tommy, I wish you had been there too, but I suspect that if you had been that lucky self-appointed unelected co-mayor of Irving Place who got to walk that street for the very first time in more than a year, you would have described that event in much the way I did. And sure, this podcast is comedy-oriented, but it is also a modern-day expression of 1950s advertising print ad exuberance and forward thinking. It is the 2021 embodiment of the 1940s travelogue announcer intoning the wonders of Brooklyn and the can-do voice of Ben Grauer counting down the seconds to the new year of 1965. And after all, the best comedy doesn't hit you over the head because, well, that hurts. Instead, it puts a smile on your face. It puts a spring in your step which is precisely how I felt walking on Irving Place on Saturday. Scotty, if only every self-appointed, unelected public official could hear your stirring words. We might end forever the practice of hitting people over the head for the purpose of comedy or any other reason, be it impatience, disappointment, or just to prove to the other fellows that you're a big man. But we're left to wonder, is hitting over the head as bad as actually hitting on the head? True, when someone is waving their fist over your head, it's unnerving and annoying and may even be frightening. But 
as long as they're not landing any blows, is anyone really harmed? These are the sort of problems an unelected, self-appointed co-mayor must address on a daily basis. People assume our life is all about having brunch at Fred, a friend of a farmer, or dinner at Pete's Tavern, and otherwise strolling around the five blocks of Irving Place while receiving accolades and gratitude from our constituents. Oh, it should be that way, and maybe someday it will be. But even though I'm thousands of miles away, we are proving to all mankind that there's so much more we can accomplish, not just for Irving Place, but for the entire planet, all from the comfort and safety of our armchairs. Well, exactly right, Tommy. And when you and I walk that street, we don't always stop and take the load off, as they say. No, we, we go up and down and nod at our constituents. And I want to put you at ease, though, because I know there I was gallivanting down the avenue and people were noticing that, where's Tommy? Uh, and the good news is, when I, I was afraid of this when I showed up at every place, there are no other unelected, uh, self-appointed mayors of Irving, co-mayors of every place. We are still oh, the one and only, two and only, so our, our jobs are safe. And when you return, Tommy, uh, your job will be waiting for you. Uh, well, that, do you know what a big load that takes off my, my mind? I, I, it, it's, I, I, unfortunately, we don't even have a, a unit of measurement for the loads that are on our minds. So I can't say <laughs> that takes a five pound load off my mind. I wish I could. Yeah, I wish yeah. I could tell you in specifics how big a load you've just taken off my mind. I wish... I, so you could know, oh, that was a 50 pound load that you just, you know, but we don't we don't have that type of measurement right now. And no, and they don't even do it. One of that expression that I never use publicly. Uh, well, I sit down and take a load off. Uh, what how, how much load? I mean, if you have if you're carrying nothing, there's really no load to take yeah. off a heavy suitcase. You have much more. As you say, neither instances are specific. Not at all. Uh, and when you say you're taking a load off your feet, that is a particularly self-deprecating remark that points to the to the if, if you really break it down you're saying well the load is you your body you, that's the load that's on your feet and you're taking it off by sitting down well that's a terribly demeaning way of describing yourself yeah yes yeah, reducing your very existence into just a weight <laughs> it, 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 it's it's uh <laughs> i mean yeah i mean you're just and, and you're more than just a weight, Scotty. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that you're so much more than that. So, and but what you're saying though is you you stroll around the 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 uh, those five blocks of Irving Place, and I know that that pride that you get from and the excitement, the sense, you know, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Co-Mayor, co-self-appointed, uh, unelected co-mayor. You know, I have a question. You know, the, the landlord is giving me what for, you know, something like that. Yeah. You get all kinds of questions. Pothole. Look at that pothole. What are you going to do about it? You know, yeah, yeah. Or even I didn't, gee, I didn't let my coffee, it took too long to come out. We get that. But actually walking with my friend Rob, it was a, almost like a constituent's, constituent's walk, even though he doesn't live in that neighborhood. But still, I was telling him, showing him the marvelous architecture and discussing the history of the park and the exclusive nature and the National Arts Club and the Players Club just around the corner from Irving Place. So basically, I was serving that role, which we do all the time, is to show it off and tell the world about the marvels of this storied thoroughfare. Oh, it's so true, Scotty. And, and, uh, and, and who, could, who, who would you more rather be on Irving Place 
than with the unelected self-appointed co-mayor of the very street. Uh, yeah. And people say, you know, wait a minute, you know, how, how did you get that job? You know, and, and it's so funny when people ask me, how did you get that job? Because the job description is in the title. <laughs> yeah. Unelected, self-appointed. That, that answers the question right there. Answers yeah. Answers the question, the title itself. But people are, are, you know, they're just, they're so curious. They can't believe. And, and of course, you know, they're, they're very impressed. Um, you know, what's funny is that, you know, the old mayors used to wear top hats and they would have a sash, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, top hat and a, a tails. And they would, it would uh, uh, and if when they were giving out the key to the city, at least in all the comic books, they would wear a sash. My <laughs> question is this, Scotty, we as unelected co-mayors, why aren't we wearing a Why haven't they given us a sash? Well, I think that's the Yeah, I think that we should have been given it. And again, just the fact we haven't received it, you know, there the bureaucracy takes a while. I'm sure they're planning when we can all return in person, hopefully later in in the fall, a big in-person gala. I think they were planning to give us the sash. And I just think, and I agree with them, to do it virtually just would not have had the same impact. So they were waiting for that grand in-person thing, and we will get it. But the important thing is. I don't think we'll wear it because, yes, Tommy, that is more of a vestige of the past. We're modern men, contemporary in our uh, all birds and casual clothing. And I think that's what sets us apart from the Tammany Hall people. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it's very uh, well. I mean, of course, I like the idea of the pomp and circumstances, the pageantry of, of, of the mayoralty to be able to stroll down a street as a self-appointed, unelected mayor of five of uh, beautiful short blocks in uh, the, the storied Gramercy Park region of lower Manhattan. What would you say? Lower Midtown Manhattan? So it's, well, yeah, it's very close to, to Greenwich Village. If you go below 14th Street, you're essentially in the village almost. Uh, it's it's sort of, a, yeah, village. it's Gramercy you're, Park. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's very close in your where you live there is a great gateway to so many wonderful and neighborhoods. That's the, 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 where I live over on 21st Street, right next to Park Avenue South, is the, the Flatiron District. But it used to consider itself the Gramercy Park District, right? A, a nearby a, a block over is the Gra famed Gramercy Tavern. I mean, there's so many famed restaurants and so on, so, many of which have gone out of business. But it's thrilling to know. And this is very exciting to hear that friend of a farmer at least is still in is still uh, at it and hope it's thriving and uh, and actually i never in, in the normal times ever had a, a brunch there and i know some people you know and have sort of poo-pooed it oh no and and i must say it is we we you and i have been there for an evening drink and a perhaps a light meal at a at the small bar there but uh, never have i sat and enjoyed this brunch and it was really uh, heavenly and uh, now we did check out because i know you've been asked this in the neighborhood how could i not check out our frequent haunt Pete's Tavern yeah. that you referred to, that glorious historical place. It is, I, I had to wipe a tear away. There's a sign, it's, they're working on getting, it's still temporarily closed, but it's definitely, definitely coming back. And I did even see a couple of, boy, you know, some big mockers, as they say, going in the special entrance, planning out the brand new Pete's that will be opening its doors hopefully soon. So right. we're looking forward to that. Now, now let, lest anybody get the wrong idea, <clears throat> Pete's Tavern, for those of you who uh, do not uh, dwell in the New York area, uh, is claims to be the oldest tavern in New York. 
Um, it's uh, and we've discussed this many times because Pete's is is sort of a hangout for us as far as dinner yeah. serves great dinner, and uh, it's extremely popular. Yeah. and it is very old. Um, uh, although some some say, um, what's the other one down in the, the East Village? Um, yeah, uh, McSorley's. McSorley's or, uh, yeah, some say yeah. McSorley's is older. But the thing about Pete's Tavern, we want to, uh, to absolutely emphasize um, as far as these mockers who are going in and planning, they're not going to, please tell me that they're not going to renovate it and turn it into a modern mid, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, place with um, uh, tile walls. and uh, Oh, like an olive guard. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And as I said that, as those words flew out, I quickly wanted to grab the mic back and say, no, they'll be, I think they're going to make some, of the day changes, perhaps uh, maybe plexiglass here and there, or maybe some seating adjustments. But no, I'm sure that there's be no tampering with the tin uh, the tin ceilings and the marvelous uh, everything else. No, I'm sure they won't touch that no, at all. Uh, maybe a new ventilation system, things like that. Yeah. But it uh, it'll be new in the sense of adjusting to these times, but not taking away from its marvelous historical nature. Well, if they were, what I was going to say is that as the co uh, unelected self-appointed co-mayors. Can we just say co-mayors for, for the Yeah, city? yeah. All right. And people understand that uh, uh, we're unelected and self-appointed. Uh, that's something we're very proud of. Not that we wouldn't. I mean, what I want to specify, not that we wouldn't have uh, uh, fairly and squarely won an actual oh, election, that, but they just don't have them. Of course we would. Let, let's be very clear. If, but they don't have an election uh, for for a for a mayor of, of of a street in New York, he elected the mayor of an actual city. Yeah, so, so you have to self-appoint. Really, sure. But but yeah, let's make it clear: we would have been elected in a normal election. The mayor, the co-mayors of Irving. Yeah, we weren't like pulling string, you know, trying to work around the system. No, it just doesn't exist. So we wanted to help, and we found the best way to do it. It's not nepotism. No, 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 no. Our uncles didn't weren't mayors of co-mayors of uh, Irving Place. No, no, it's not. It doesn't go back in the family. Really? No. Uh, well, I'm clawing. Actually, that's probably not the best way to describe it. Uh, clawing makes us sound like we're some sort of um, kind of zombie monster clawing their way up. But yeah, I know we worked our way. Worked up. our way up. We strolled yeah. our way in. You strolled away, yeah, amiably strolled. Amiably strolled our way into to uh, self appointment, and um, I mean, we were. It wasn't a, a slam dunk that we were going to appoint ourselves. We we there. It was down to appointing somebody else, a couple of other people, or us. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It was. It was a little bit of a nail biting. Like we were, you know. Everybody assumes because it's self-appointed. Oh yeah, that's no problem. You just appoint yourself. No, we had, we went through a whole process where we reviewed a lot of other people. At least, right, right. Or at least, yeah. I mean, we could self-appoint. Just means we gives ourselves the power to appoint. It so happens we eventually chose us. Yes, but we could have gone differently. Very. It was really down to the wire. Yeah. Uh, 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 you know, it could have gone any other way. But we, amazingly, amazingly. And in, in, a, in, a, in a photo finish worthy of, a, of an Oscar-winning movie, we, amazingly, we, at the last minute, 11th hour, we chose ourselves. Well, it could be if you want to use for our sports buffs that uh, last-second shot on the Sunday night oh, where Gonzaga beat UCLA in that miraculous 45-foot bank shot. Amazing, uh, which I happened to see, by the way. No, I did. I actually it was one of the first college games I watched almost in its entirety. And I actually have to say, 
I mar- I thrilled at the not athletic ability, but the it, it was an incredible game back and forth under pressure under this whole season. And I, I mar- it's amazing to me that they do it and they don't just go, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm going to stop, you know, right to the end. And it was an incredible game. Yeah, uh, well, here's what I, I actually saw at the end. <laughs> I actually tuned in for the last, it's just because, oh, well, I think I'm going to watch that Gonzaga because people around town were talking about it. You hear it at, at the store. Hey, I got to watch that UCLA game. Oh, yeah, it's a big game tonight. You'd hear that, yeah. you know? And, of course, that's a local team being it's UCLA. Local, because I'm in Los Angeles. That's a yeah. local team. And, and so I thought, well, you know, maybe I better watch that. Because, God forbid, somebody said, hey, did you see the big game last night? And I say, er, ah, no, uh, what big game? No, that did not happen. I no. watched this, and, and the last, that buzzer-beating uh, three-pointer from, gosh, no. Almost half-court, incredible. Almost half-court, that was. And uh, it was an amazing, amazing game. And again, I, uh, it's always hard. Who did, it's a process. How do you decide who, no, you, UCLA is your local team. But normally, like for me, UCLA and Gonzaga, I don't really have a, connection I, I love ucla for other reasons but and gonzaga is you know if they win tonight they'll be the first undefeated team in, in decades so I, I was leaning towards them but and i still don't know what state they're in if it's indiana or utah i'm not sure but i believe yeah but you have to it's it's funny when people try to determine which team they're rooting for when there's no connection at all either way you know, who are you going with kentucky or duke oh i don't know you know you have to invent these things well i don't know i I didn't like their history of racism in the 60s oh, under uh, Adolf Rupp. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, or or with NFL, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Dallas plays Houston, let's say, or something like that. You know, uh, uh, it's always about because I could always root against Dallas, yeah. uh, no matter what. But uh, yeah, any of these, as far as like Alabama, you know, the Crimson Tide versus any any team that's like Missouri that's approximately north uh, and somewhat more northern I vote I, I go for for Missouri even though I know Missouri is a really conservative state but it's very political it, it, it really is it's very well, especially more now these days and like, yeah I never like University of Texas I, even though it actually is a great school and it's in Austin which is the best part of Texas, I like San Antonio too, but but I always associated them. Oh, that's Texas, and you know I I didn't like them, and uh, you know, but it's uh, yeah, you, you do this, and uh, but I have to say I did go to once to the famed Pauley Pavilion where UCLA plays uh, many years ago with my cousin, and and it really was this magical place because you know UCLA is a shrine to the past, and the late Coach Wooden was there. He wasn't coaching anymore, but he was there, and and it was this really packed campus gymnasium, and. It was a very exciting experience. Gymnasium, like it, 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 it's usual that you have stadiums for for the uh, for the games, you know. But uh, yeah, this felt like. I mean, it was not tiny. It wasn't five thousand, but it also wasn't like going to a Staples Center or Madison right. Square Garden, and it had a very intimate feeling to it. Now, and also, I think uh, yes, college basketball is. It, it, it always seems to me it's more of a team sport, and that may be wrong. That may not be. True, because I'm not really. Again, I'm a I'm a one sport, and here I am trying to espouse on, opine on college basketball. No, I think you're right, though, Tommy. As a one sporter, that's a great observation. I think it's a more interesting game, frankly, than the pros. As much I only like to watch the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry and those guys, uh, but I find college basketball much more watchable, and they're really incredibly good. I remember when Princeton upset UCLA in the 
I don't know, late seventies, early eighties. And it was a very, it was in the days when you had low scoring games and it was like 18 to 12 and UCLA was the incredible team then. And I always, I'd always root for the Ivies to be, you know, that's always exciting when a team like that can knock off a, a powerhouse, but it's, uh, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Or, or I like to go for the Furies, like the Knox college. We talked about Knox college, yeah. or North central. You know, the, the, the ones that aren't even, they're not even Ivy League. But like uh, uh, um, Boise State, that was a, that, when, I'm talking football now. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. one sport. Uh, but the, the principle remains that, you know, that that's a, an obscure school that became a big powerhouse. Uh, and they had blue grass. And they had blue grass. But which I love. So, dark. Don't, but yeah, that don't is the thing. We should write TV a. Set. That's yeah. supposed to be. <laughs> Remember when yeah. people could adjust their TV set? I don't. I don't know. That's the thing. You can't. Well, the the outer limits could not be uh, shown today. The <laughs> do not attempt to adjust your television <laughs> right. because Nobody you couldn't. Knows. You would talk back to the screen, going, "Yeah, I wasn't going to try to do it because there's no way I could do it. So this is a pointless opening to the show." Yeah. When the but people didn't say that the back day. in the early '60s. <laughs> I know they don't know, but back in those days, Scotty. We would, you know, sometimes you would have to do a lot of adjusting, and there were dials that are. There was a just very brief aside. Um, yeah. I I, 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 I can't believe I'm talking about this, but I remember trying to adjust TV. You were, con and sometimes, and we were 35 miles from downtown Chicago, so sometimes, and uh, uh, weather conditions. I don't know what it was, but. We'd sometimes get ghosts from Milwaukee TV stations and uh -huh. this bad Scotty. And imagine you're watching a game and you have to dial the, these a weird dial around the channel knob. The, the, even oh, right, right. To, yeah. There was a dial that was connected to the channel knob that somehow got it more tuned in right. And all, all these things we had to be adjusting the rabbit ears and. Well, and I remember, and I'm just coming. This you just brought this back to mind: the vertical and the horizontal. Yes, there literally were two knobs, one for vertical and one for horizontal. That you would try to keep playing with that to get the, the screen right. And, we and have the, to actually understand the difference, be, and it taught us the difference between the word vertical and horizontal. We could. Oh, you yeah. At any at a young age, you knew it. You knew. You it. wanted to watch you TV. Better you better know that. You better know. And, yeah. that's how, and we had to become uh, actual sort of uh, TV engineers. Uh, yeah. Today, what, what, that knowledge, we could probably teach TV engineering, the knowledge <laughs> that we had for just uh, uh, how we're able to, to, to manipulate the old-fashioned cathode ray, black and white, in many cases, TV sets. Where you have well, Tommy, this is another great idea. We could tour the country and come out into to these youngsters in colleges, they would think there were these genius engineers, as you say, and all it is is we bring back our sense memory from, you know, the vertical and the horizontal and the rabbit ears, and we could uh, earn a pretty penny just with those demonstrations. Oh, my God. We could, uh, without, there's, no, let me just put it this way. We could basically stroll onto the campus of pick, pick a university, you know, pick, and I, I, yeah. I'm going to say, University of, uh, uh, of California at Santa Barbara. Oh, well. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say that that would be the perfect university for us to stroll in and say, we are, you know, unelected co-mayors of Irving Place, but we're also co-professors of television engineering. And they go, you know, I mean, I don't know how, how this works as far as getting a job as a professor at a university exactly. But I'm pretty sure you go into the 
you know, hiring. Well, you use an office for it. You just, yeah. just kind of help you. Yeah. What do you do? We, we would teach vintage television uh, engineering. Here's the TV. <laughs> oh, that's a, oh, that's a real one. Okay. When can you start? I and mean, that's usually how it works. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so what we need to do is get set up in Santa Barbara, like, yeah, uh, get a place to, you know, that that where it's comfortable and it's close enough to the university so that we don't have to. It's not a big, huge. I mean, Santa Barbara is a wonderful city because it's not big. It's really about 60,000 people. But no. And, and then UCSB is in Goleta, Goleta is right sure. next to it or basically it's, in it. It's absolutely gorgeous. And it's right next to the ocean. And so th- these are all and just everything about Santa Barbara is gorgeous, including the people there. Oh, yeah. So um, uh, for that reason, and, and I mean, I, I say we take our knowledge of how to operate a 1960s TV set uh, and <clears throat> I guess what? Put the TV in the, you know, uh, we, we should bring a TV with us. Well, we'll also have to bring a TV and also have a stand, the rolling stands that was so popular, <laughs> the wheels. So you, like we wheeled it in, in school, they'd wheel it in the TV to watch public television. And uh, yeah, we can wheel it on the streets, right. and that also the students will know us. You're like, hi, Professor Blade, hi, Professor Saunders, <laughs> uh, heading to class. You, you got it. You know, we'll see you in a little bit. All right. <laughs> yeah. See you then. It's like, you know, you never know what you're going to see on a uh, campus of a, you know, of a of a major university. The, the crazy stuff, and sometimes it's new stuff. Sometimes they'll the archaeology department will be wheeling in a mummy. Well, this is something like along those lines. This is plus like the old Paramount Studios. Yeah. Where, you know, you'd see the guys in, in, in army uniforms having lunch, and then uh, and you know, people in the dressed in the gladiator suit. And, uh, yeah, uh, yep, yep, all of that. Uh, 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 that variety. We bring variety uh, and time travel to the University of uh, UCSB, University of yeah, California, yeah. Santa Barbara, and, and that's exciting to know that we're going to be able to go there obviously the first first thing first you know check out you know living living situations yeah uh and and also what's the salary going to be you know uh obviously when it's the two of us we should be getting more money uh than just a single professor because there's two you you would think i mean they'll probably say oh we budgeted this for one but then we'll Sweet taught them, and I think that uh, well, we once we show there. our ability, you know, because it, it takes two people to operate a 1960s TV set. Oh, yeah, yeah, and this is really such a revelation, not just for us, Tom, but for our dear listeners. We, what we don't realize, where our listeners know who are of our age or whatever close to that, we possess skills that are marketable and hireable, and just for having lived during those times. We didn't go to vocational school in 1963 for, no, we just had to operate the TV. We had to operate the radio. We had to do all these things that no one knows how to do now. We can show how to put uh, uh, records. uh, uh, Place the stylus on the album. Onto high fidelity turntables and and lower the, 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 uh, the needle. There's so much that we know, Scotty, that, People simply that, that and there's a hunger, there's a thirst for knowledge, and also you know we talk about the big man on campus. Obviously, <laughs> everybody's going to want to hang out with the guys who. And now let let me you know who 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 can show them how to operate a 1960s TV. Everybody. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think and so you know what I'm about to say. 
the football captains might be a little peeved and maybe the frat, you know, guys will be like, hey, this is our territory. Who are these? Uh, they'll, not that we are, but they would say, who are these old guys from New York, and, you know, coming in and usurping? They wouldn't say usurp. They wouldn't use that word. They but would never use that word. No, but fact, uh, if they did, then we would be able to see, oh, this guy must be a spy. Right. That, that's, that's how you catch them. Just like they did during the war. Yeah. Did the Yankees win? Oh, I don't know. Okay, then he's he's not really here. But uh, so usurp, they would blow their cover. But then, yeah, yeah just everyone would just uh, and faculty and everyone they would crowd around and we would yeah. tell stories oh, of that day and play Ben Grower counting down the ball in Times Square and talk about Johnny Carson. And again, this is not something we're accredited for or trained for or spent a dollar for. But yes, we're totally qualified because we lived it, Tommy. We lived it. We lived it, we know it, we can teach it, and uh, hopefully they'll give us uh, a large enough office, you know, because again, it's the two of us. This is the thing that's a little bit, um, uh, I'm not saying it's, it's, you know, it's a deal killer and stuff, but I just feel like we should have, you know, I've seen, uh, I've, I've had friends who are university professors, and I'm always disappointed at how small their offices are. Yeah. Um, Scotty, do you think, and would you feel uncomfortable if when we stroll in, we're going to be pushing in our, our Philco television set on a, on a special cart, like you say, the TV. And Hey, here's a cute idea. Just to uh, for, as part of our presentation, we give the Dean and the president of the, or whoever's hiring university uh, professors, we give them some TV dinners. They go, Oh, Great are, idea, Tommy. Yeah. Bring out the Swanson. And, and uh, I always love the, what was the ones that, uh, uh, well, I have to say I went for the Hungry Man. I love those. I love them because I needed the extra. It wasn't enough. And it was so fun looking forward to dessert. 7,000 calories in the Hungry Man fried wow. dinner. Something like that. It was, wow. It's in the thousands. I know that. But That's to this day, to... yeah, I enjoy food being divided in such a manner. Yes, I do too. It's, it's, it's the modern way to eat. I, um, the old way of just putting it all on one plate and the peas can wind up getting uh, mixed in with the mashed potatoes. What kind of animals were we? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you don't know how much you have and you want to, and you, and for, as, from the peas point of view and the mashed potatoes point of view, they don't want to just be lumped in with some other thing. Uh, you, they wanted to be taken, appreciated for who they are. For who they are and what they are. And, and, and uh, uh, so it, it was a great step forward for civilization when they invented the divided plate but then restaurants decided to poo-poo that sky we were talking about poo-pooing before yeah when do we have to end this epidemic of poo-pooing there's way too much of poo-pooing uh, <laughs> of 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 things eschewing is 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 bad enough uh yeah but but poo-pooing is yeah we don't need that why well, that's what people are writing about articles even though we've been, but we've been talking about for months what will people be like when this is over as we get closer to this being over? Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Let's ban poo-pooing. Uh, let's, let's not go back to that. Let's not return. Let's build back better and get poo-pooing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, uh, uh, I, I think that would fit in a, you know, on a T-shirt. Uh, uh, the, but, uh, Scotty, I mean, it, uh, the, the, uh, just to bring things full circle and to circle back, uh, it, it, it's a big day. It's a big, it, it feels uh, like, like uh, we really are returning back to normal. The fact that the co at least one co-mayor 
one self-appointed uh, unelected co-mayor was able to, with your friend. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I give him all the credit. I just wasn't even thinking it was possible. That's another thing, Tommy. I had a, an epiphany, really, these last two or three days. And, and to you and other fully vaxxed listeners, it's not a, a it did, we, as we talked about, it, we didn't feel invincible day one because you see these things on the news. Well, you're still not really supposed to this, this and that. And I, I like it. It's almost went as a as a comedy MC when one of the celebrities would come on, like Eddie Murphy in the old days or Seinfeld or Robin Williams, whoever it was. When you would say their name at a club in the first two seconds, it's silence because people don't believe you. They don't, hey, He's not really coming. And then they walk out and you go. Oh my God, I can't believe here. I think it's almost like that with the vaccines. It's like, yes, we're fully vaccinated. It's like, yeah, but I don't know. Is it really going to change things? And then it hit me the last two days, Tommy. And I didn't do anything reckless or wild, but I just hopped on a subway train and went to a different neighborhood, which I had hardly done. And I had never been in Gramercy Park since a year ago, March. And uh, it was so exhilarating and uh, and so delicious with that lovely skillet omelet at Friend of a Farmer. I mean, it, it, and, and for people who are not familiar with the friend of the farmer their omelets come in a piping hot skillet and i really like it those big thick iron skillets be careful don't touch it's hot ouch uh yep. but but scotty i mean uh <clears throat> so uplifting and 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 uh you know so so uh, uh well it's the opposite of a cautionary tale it's a it's a great uh, i don't know what it would be uh, it's a uh real caution to the wind tale <laughs> the throw caution to the wind tale <laughs> Scotty, you invented a new kind of tale, uh, the throw caution to the wind tale. It is exactly the opposite of a cautionary tale. <laughs> well, this could be the headline for uh, these today. I, if, if I can get it out there, maybe this one I think we should try to monetize. Absolutely. After all the ones we've given to the world, maybe this one we should hold on yeah, to, Tommy. This one let's keep. Yeah, let's keep around, and 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 this is going to pay off. Uh, you know, it's going to. This is going to pay off our our yachts. You know, something. Yeah. Uh, 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 and I'm talking about yachts with an S at the end of it, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, super yachts, too. And and uh, yeah, because as our listeners know, over this last year, we've just given away ideas left oh, and right, left as they right. say, really? happily. But uh, now we're going to try to cash in on this uh, uh, throw caution to the wind tale. The first new tale in, I believe, decades, at least. Oh, I think it's more than that. I think it's more yeah. than decades. I think it's more, I think it, the last new tale was 1890-something. <laughs> I don't even exactly. So this is a big deal. So, it, and, and enough of the cautionary tales. We've had enough of those. Yeah. Let's have some throw caution to the wind tales. And you did it, Scotty. You you did throw ca ca caution to the wind. I don't think I am, am ready. Yeah, I've had that epiphany yet. I, I, I've eaten at a restaurant with my brother, but it was still, I didn't feel like, oh my God, you know, it's, I can't believe this is happening. So I'm looking forward to that. And, and, and so your throw caution to the wind tail, I think has, has reached fertile soil. In, in oh yeah, it will happen, our, Tommy, very soon. And you'll uh, know exactly what that'll feel like. And uh, as our listeners will too, and uh, as I have been the uh, beneficiary of. And so well, we've certainly taken quite a journey. I feel like we've walked along Irving Place this last 35 minutes with such, uh, I feel the adrenaline and I remain sincerely yours, Scott Blakeman. I'm going to stay Tom Saunders and we're getting